welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Last month, you may be seated, last month, you're right down the road here, well, you just witnessed here, Beecher had played 10 songs right there. The Asbury Revival wasn't 10 songs, they had a worship leader, every two hours they would change them out, and literally all at once, because I went down there three times, it was a worship leader playing a, a guitar and a singer. That was it. And it never ended. It went on for about two and a half weeks in that spirit of revival, song after song after song after song. It's constantly just there's not, a, there's not a break that we worship the Lord. That's what revival is. That we, it's a continual, ongoing presence with the Lord. It doesn't end. There's no end service for that. Uh, the service ends at 7 o'clock, but Spirit of Revival, it continues to go. So thank you, Beecher. Thank you, Amy, for leading us in the worship. Open up your Bibles this evening to the book of Philippians. I'm going to show you in the Bible where how we need to create a climate of revival. When we hear words about climate, we hear about climate change. But this is going to be about the climate of revival. And that is what we want in our life. It's a daily, ongoing presence with the Lord. It does not end. And we hope to do this again, I believe, Beecher, at the end of February. We're going to have another one of these services. And we want this style service to grow. We're, what, oh, not February. Yeah. Yeah, in 11 months, we'll have this again here. So yeah, but next year, we'll do this again. Get once a year. So we are, we're going to do this at the end of April, uh, again, uh, uh, um, this, this type of worship service. And I do, I hope it continues to grow, and I hope it's something we keep going, just building, uh, building that spirit of revival. I want to read this passage here about revival, because I believe a lot of our lives, and churches, our lives, our personal lives, disagreements hinder spiritual vitality with one another. Now, we're going to read some Bible names that I'm going to struggle to pronounce and one of the ways I learned to try to figure out how to pronounce Bible names is I go to YouTube. And you can type in YouTube. So this first name here, Eudodia, I typed in her name, pronunciation, and it comes up on YouTube. But I'm going to mispronounce these. But understand uh, pronunciation isn't perfect. It's the, uh, the person and what they represent. I do understand that, hopefully. So with that. So what we see here in this passage here in the book of Philippians, this is what we call the book of joy. Paul is writing this book to probably his favorite church that he planted. And it was known as a joyous church. And he wanted to protect that joy. But inside of this church, there were two women. And both of these women were helpers of Paul. They helped his ministry. But the truth is, wherever we're at, whether it's church, work, school, college, family events, wherever you go, you are going to have disagreements with people. It's going to happen. You cannot avoid it. It happened in the Bible. Remember back in the book of Acts? Back with, uh, back in Acts chapter 15, uh, it, uh, Barnabas wanted to go on another missionary journey with Paul, and it was time to go. Well, Barnabas says, well, let's bring John Mark, the same guy who ran Ray naked in the book of Mark. That's who John Mark is. And Paul looked at him and says, we're not bringing that man. He abandoned us last time. He only made the first stop, then he turned home and went to Mama's house. That's literally what happened. He missed Mama. She called more than God, and she, he went home. So what happens is Paul says, no, we're not bringing that, young, that guy. He's, he abandoned us. He, 
He let us down. And the, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 15, their disagreement was such a sharp disagreement. That's the exact word the Bible used. They had to split up. They couldn't even go together. They could not agree whether or not to bring this young man. So what happened was Paul, he ended up bringing Silas and Barnabas. He brought John Mark. Well, what ended up happening, even though they had a disagreement, instead of having one missionary team, they had two missionary teams. You know, back in the old days, churches used to split all the time. Nowadays, churches don't split as much because it costs a lot. Getting property and building a new church costs a fortune. So it's not that easy these days to just go on down the road and start a new church because you need millions of dollars in order to just buy the land and get started. It's not, times have changed with that. But in the old days, churches would split when you would have disagreements. Well, the one good thing that would come out of a church split is instead of having one church, now you have two churches. They would, and they would be doing both being doing gospel witness. Now, they would have to get through their issues for whatever happened, but usually after 20 years, they could move on past that and start doing an actual good gospel ministry. But we see here in this passage, there are two ladies we're going to read about, Eudodia and Sintik. We'll just call them those names right there. These are two women... They could not agree. They have a disagreement. And the, and, the, and the Lord through Paul is going to give them instruction on how to deal with their disagreement. Have you ever met someone who it seems like they have a life of burned relationships, burned bridges, burned jobs, where it seems like they have been through many friendships, many marriages, they don't talk to their kids. They can't get along with their grandkids. They have to change jobs every two years. They seem like they're constantly uh, getting involved in uh, new events all the time. They don't have a long track record with just about anything. And you always wonder, if you talk to those type people, it's never their fault, if you ever notice. It's always, this person treated me bad. I didn't like that teacher. I didn't like that school. My boss was awful. And they just live a life of burned burned bridges literally everywhere they go and you know after two years they're going to change whatever they're doing they're going to have a new set of friends at some point those people who do that you have to stop and realize could it be you could you be the problem here because it seems like all these other people out there they seem to be the ones that you have problems with, and everybody is treating you that bad, but other people always don't live that way. And that's what Paul is going to say here to these women. He says, ladies, listen, I know y'all can't get along. I know something happened, but that's not important. Y'all need to learn to agree in the Lord. And there's times in our life for the spirit of revival that we have to agree in the Lord. For the sake of your family, there's some things I have to do at home there's some things you have to do at work that you don't, even, you don't even like. You don't agree with, you don't support. But for the sake of your job, for the sake of being a U.S. citizen, for the sake of your home life, you're going to do it. And for the sake also of your Christian life, you're doing it to honor the Lord. That, to me, is what we call the spirit and the climate of revival. Because you know there's some things you don't want to hinder you don't want to create discord all over the place when you go. And there are many things you just, just don't, don't agree with. Just because you don't agree with something doesn't mean you need to fill out the customer complaint card at the business you're at. You just say, I'm not going to do business there anymore. 
I'm not going to talk about that issue. I'm not going to deal with that. So we're going to follow along your Bibles. We're going to read 10 Bible verses tonight. Philippians chapter 4. Normally when we say Philippians chapter 4, we finish with verse 13. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. But we're not going to read that Bible verse. I just read it right there. We're going to start in chapter 4 verse 1. So then, my dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Don't miss that first. Stand firm. Paul is urging this church. This is the church he loved. He's saying, guys, whatever you do, just stand firm. And you, how do you stand firm? You do it in the Lord. That he's, stand firm means endurance. You're going to have to endure some things. And the Lord means empowerment, meaning the Lord gives you power. That's important because those two phrases, stand firm in the Lord, are going to set the, the, um, the, the case, set the standard for how you deal with disagreement. It goes on to say in our Bible, now here are the words I cannot pronounce. I urge Judea to urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So these are two ladies here. We don't know what the issue is, and Paul didn't bring up the issue because it's not important. Focusing on the issue is not the main point of a disagreement. We don't need to just worry who's right or who's wrong. Paul is saying, ladies, I know y'all can't disagree. I know y'all have had a fight here, but you need to somehow agree in the Lord. What does it mean to agree in the Lord? That, this is so important. Let's just say, I'll pick on the lady on the front pew right here. Miss Osmond and I have a disagreement. You disagree, have a disagreement with your spouse. And you just, for whatever reason, she's over here, I'm over here, and we just, we, we don't agree. We don't see eye to eye. I don't want to do what she wants to do. She doesn't want to do what I want to do. I've given my pros and cons. She's given her pros and her cons. How do, what does it mean when it says here, verse 2, you need husband and wife, Daniel and Sherry, you need to agree in the Lord. Agreeing in the Lord means for the sake of revival, for the sake of unity, for the sake of our home, for the sake of our marriage, for the sake of our church, our job, our family, our children, we're not going to sit there and continue to bicker and fight and just butt heads over this issue. That's what it means. I mean, we're not going to talk about it anymore. I know what you believe. You know what I believe. So we're going to somehow think of a plan going forward where we agree in the Lord on this. And it might be two different paths. It might be a compromise situation where we both dislike it. We both aren't happy. But the point is you somehow agree in the Lord and you let it and put it to rest. Because what happens is if you have a husband and wife just constantly fighting, constantly bringing up the past, constantly bickering and saying, remember last week? Remember a month ago? Remember a year ago? You're just stirring a pot where that's, that's over. You can't do anything about it. There's, there's no reason to talk about it anymore. You can't bring back the past. You can't go in the past. What good is it bringing up stuff that happened six months ago? 
Like, what is the purpose? And Paul's saying, ladies, at some point, we know your pros and cons. You each have good points of view. You just have to agree in the Lord. And agreeing in the Lord means you're just not going to talk about it. And you agree somehow in some compromise situation. Compromise situation means nobody likes it. Both You just have to somehow come together and you both are unhappy, but you're not going to talk about it. And what happens when you do that? It says in verse 3, Yes, I also ask you, a true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. He's saying, Paul's writing to these ladies. I'll explain this. He's saying, women, you contend for the gospel. Meaning, we do gospel work. Your name is written in the book of life. And that is more important. That is a higher calling. That, is, that trumps all this other stuff you're sitting around bickering about. And that's, and there's apparently a nanny named uh, Clement too, another lady there, who's also uh, working along with these women. Paul is saying, for, you put aside your agreement for a greater calling of doing gospel work. Don't let this disunity hinder what we are doing for the Lord. That is what it means to agree in the Lord. I want to tell you, we, have to, we, should, we will probably be regularly practicing this regularly. Especially with believers. There's times you have to say, we're just going to agree in the Lord. I don't, see your, I don't agree with you, but I do agree in the Lord. So going forward, that's what we have a common goal. And that goal is Jesus. And that's an example for us how to be peacemakers. That creates a climate of revival. And you don't talk about it. It's done. It's put to rest. It doesn't keep coming up out of the grave. It, the, the, that, that doesn't get resurrected. That has been buried with Christ. You've moved on. And, then he, and so now, Paul, these, next, these are the great verses we love to read. After we deal with this problem, and he says, you agree with the Lord. Here now, after you agree with the Lord, here's how you should act. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's saying, don't complain. You know why it's time to say that? Because these women were griping. They were complaining all the time. Say, quit griping, start rejoicing in the Lord. That's your common agreement. Now, some of you said, Pastor, what do we do if we disagree with a disunbeliever? What if we know someone who's not saved? How can you... Uh, agree uh, in the Lord on, on, with an unbeliever. And the truth is, you can't. What you have to do with an unbeliever is if you're working with someone, you go to school with someone, you might have to agree that I'm not going to compromise my Christian faith, but for the sake of my job, for the sake of this schoolwork, what the professor wants at college, we will agree to make an A together, even though I'm not going to do what you want to do. But I think what he's saying is you just don't keep bringing it up and keep griping and complaining. And the reason why is because of verse 4. He's saying you need to focus on rejoicing. You talk about the goodness of God, not about your complaint. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near, meaning you should have a gracious spirit. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's one of our great Bible verses right there. That's what the Lord does. When you agree in the Lord, when you focus on the Lord, 
the peace of God comes and takes over your mind. If you, if you are here this, this evening and you are struggling with um, uh, just sadness, you're struggling with direction, you're struggling with God, what's my, what am I to do? What, 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 do I, what do I say? You just you literally say, God, I'm surrendering this anxiety, this worry that I have to you. And he goes on to say, verses 8, 9, 10, Finally, brothers and sisters, this he's telling us what to think on. Now remember, why, where did Philippians 4, 8 come from? Philippians 4, 8 came, I have this disagreement from these two women. This is, Bible verse we're about to talk about is a central Bible verse in Scripture. Because Philippians 4, 8 is one we learn when we're children. You probably memorize it even as an adult. But remember, it's coming from the disagreement from these two women that I can't pronounce, Eudodia and Syntax. They just could not get along. So all of a sudden, Paul's saying, women, instead of sitting there fighting and bickering and thinking about these things, you are now going to focus on these things. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Don't think about all your problems. Don't think about your worry. You focus on agreeing in the Lord and on wonderful, godly things of the Lord. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. We see how Paul is excited for what he sees here. He's redirecting their thoughts and their thinkings towards the Lord. So what do we see in this passage? The goal of peacemaking. The goal of peacemaking, when you have a disagreement, is not to hinder your Christian witness. Think about all the believers you know that have hindered their relationships with others because of butting heads and disagreements and fighting. And they've lost their witness over trivial things. We don't. How do we, how do we, how do we become peacemakers? Number one, these last two things we're going to learn tonight. You don't keep talking about it. You don't keep talking about it. Bringing up bad things that occurred with other people, what, what good does that do? Doesn't do one, you have forgiven them, you've agreed in the Lord, you've moved on. You don't keep talking about it. What do you think about? You think about Philippians 4.8, everything there. That's what Paul tells us to do. And not only that, you also have to always recognize God's hand. You recognize God's hand. And what that means, to recognize God's hand, is through disagreements, through uh, conflict, God actually continues to work. And God can use unlikely people and challenging circumstances to fulfill his will. Remember this morning, a message on Pilate. Pilate was a lost man, yet Pilate was actually doing what the Lord wanted. Jesus was going to get crucified. Jesus was marching to this cross. And Jesus had to get sentenced to crucifixion by Pilate. And he was just quiet, didn't say a word, and Pilate sent him to die. Pilate thought he kept wanting to get Jesus off the hook, yet it was God's will for him to do that. God can even use lost people. 
God can use disagreements. God can use the grief and the pain that we go through to actually draw us closer to the Lord. In all things, the Lord brings us and draws us closer to Him. So this evening, the spirit of revival, how to create a climate of revival, what does it start with? It starts with you standing firm and you stand on the Word of God and you agree in the Lord. That's what verse 1 told us there. And these two women had this disagreement. And from that, Paul teaches them how to focus their minds upon the Lord. So you want the climate of revival in your life? There might be some phone calls you need to make where you tell folks you're sorry. You might need to write an apology note. You might need to send an email saying, hey, I shouldn't have said that. I should send a text message, hey, I overreacted. That was wrong of me. Will you forgive me? And you're agreeing in the Lord. Remember, all you can do is ask for forgiveness. And you receive forgiveness. The other person has to give the forgiveness. But until we're the ones that step out and say, look, I should not have done that. I sinned. I'm sorry. I was in the wrong. That is agreeing in the Lord. That is taking the first steps towards what Paul's talking about here, instead of dwelling on these things that have happened, to move on to higher ground. God, I thank you for your word. I pray you seal these words on our hearts and minds, that we live in a spirit of revival, that we will take these words here out of the book of Philippians chapter 4, and these two women here, Unia and Syntax, that they will agree that they saw a higher calling, a greater focus with their ministry instead of their disagreement. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here tonight that is preventing the spirit of revival in our hearts, in our minds, that Lord, we will uh, go to a greater calling and turn to you and thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for this night of revival. Lord, revival's here during this invitation. Lord, we boldly respond and call out to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to close our service here with an invitation. We're going to invite everyone to stand up. Beat your name, you're going to lead us in our song. And this is time I stand down front. You come take my hand and say, I want to join this church. I want to get saved. I want to get baptized. This is our time to respond to the Lord. We're going to stand up and sing while Beecher leads us.